in Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter. Last week when we were together, we talked about the prophet John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who came on the scene right before Jesus began his ministry, he began preaching and teaching that God was on the move. He is ruling, he is reigning, he is at work, and now is the time to get plugged in and to get involved with what God is doing in this world. And so the word he had is repent. That means change direction in a way that you can get involved with God's kingdom. And as he announced that message, uh, it, with it eventually came consequences. As he would critique uh, King Herod uh, in his day for uh, kind of marrying his brother's wife. And uh, as a result of that, John the Baptist gets thrown in prison. And guys, I, I know I've visited the jail this last week with Leadership Rockdale, and it's nice and it's clean and they have TVs, you know, and it, but it's still not a place I'd want to be. Probably not you either. But I can tell you the jail I saw this week is a whole lot nicer than what John the Baptist would have been in a long time ago. Probably a cell filled with dirt, refuse, trash, urine, you know, just all sorts of stuff. And as a result, John gets in a very dark place. So dark, he sends his disciples out to ask Jesus an important question. And that's where we pick up the story in Matthew's 11th chapter, verse 2. Now when John, who is in prison, heard about the deeds of Jesus the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And good news is proclaimed to the poor. So blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Was it a reed that swayed in the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A, a man dressed in fine clothes. No, those who wear fine clothes, they're in king's palaces. And what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet... This is the one about whom it is written in the Old Testament. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those who are born of women, there have not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. But yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the word of God for all of us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time together today. Help me lift you up as you lifted up John the Baptist. Uh, like our devotion today, help us let you be greater in our hearts and lives. May we become less so that uh, people may see you in our lives in real ways. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very interesting story. I mean, John the Baptist has been a stalwart voice 
that God is real, that He is working, that He is doing great things, and now, today, this very instant, it's time to get on board with what God is doing. But that message has come to John the Baptist with great cost. As I said, he's been thrown in prison. And in this dank, dark cell, something that probably none of us ever expected happened. And that is John, in his despair, in his darkness, in his depression, he began to struggle. And he began to wonder, is this all really worth it? Not only that, but, you know, I came to prepare the way for Jesus. And Jesus isn't doing things the way I expected him to do things. Do you see, John the Baptist expected Jesus to come and divide sheep from goats, good from bad, evil from, from godly. But when Jesus came, he did something very different. And so John the Baptist and his disciples are left scratching their head. Did I get this right or not? And so I want to ask you today, have you ever faced that similar question? Because of your circumstances, because of the darkness in your heart or in your life, because of despair that you're going through, have you ever wrestled with the question, God, where are you? Are you real? You're not answering my prayers like I thought you'd answer my prayers? Lord, what's going on? I know in my own life, uh, you know, I've had moments like that. Uh, right after I graduated from college, Andrew and I, we, my wife and I, we had just gotten married. We ventured out of Georgia and went to live in Kentucky for six years. And the first year or two were not easy because, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of friends. Uh, we were living six hours away from family for the first time in our lives, which was good, but it was not easy in the beginning. And my wife, Andrea, she got an engineering job with Lexmark International. And so every day she went to work, she went to work with a bunch of old guys who could have been her dad. Now, I want you to imagine kind of being the only girl, the only young lady, with a bunch of old guys that could be, you know, that, that maybe doesn't make you want to go to work every day. You know, not that the guys were bad. They were nice guys. But, but she longed for some close friendships that she could have. In, in her work relationship and other things. And I remember after we were there about a year, there was a night where we were praying at bedtime, Lord, this just is no fun. Things aren't falling into place. Where are you? How are you working? You know, and, and we just, we could not see. And so in our darkness and despair, and that's often the case that in our darkness and despair, we cannot as easily see the light it is already right there before us. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the light. A second story I want to share today is uh, just one of the folks in this world that I've looked up to an awful lot. Uh, just his music, uh, his heart for the world. He's made an impact in places like Africa with hunger and AIDS and all those things. And uh, he's from Ireland, uh, from the band U2. And it's Bono. And you may, maybe everybody know who Bono is, right? You may not know his story, though. You see, Bono also, from a young age, uh, darkness could have overtaken his heart and life, too. You see, because at the young age of 14, his mom died 
And this is a little of his story. He says uh, they had gone to his mom's dad, his grandfather's funeral, right? And uh, so he says this, 1974 took my mother away from me, but it gave me so much in return, Bono tells me. My mother collapsed at her own father as her own father was being lowered into the ground. And I never spoke with her again, he adds. I saw her a few days later in the hospital bed as she took her last breath. It was, I mean, people have gone through a lot worse, he says, after describing some of the horrors he's witnessed in some of the poorest and most vulnerable people on earth. But yeah, Bono continues, death is ice-cold water on a boy entering puberty. Uh, they'd been quoting T.S. Eliot, and he says, T.S. Eliot is right. The end is where we start. You begin your meditation on life often in that kind of moment. I mean, we're all really in denial most of our lives. And uh, so Bono as well shares the story of how at a young age, of 14, the death of his mom, um, he had to find his way in the darkness. How do we handle that? What do we do? Well, the story is instructive. The first thing that John the Baptist did right is he went to the source himself. He went to Jesus. And he asked Jesus the question, listen, you're not doing life the way I thought you'd do life. You're not being Messiah the way I thought you'd be Messiah. Are you the one or is there someone else? You notice how Jesus answers? He says, go and tell John that I am bringing the life of the kingdom. It's here. It's here. He goes on and he shares how the blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, the deaf are hearing, the dead are being raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. And in this sharing, what he's pointing to is he's pointing back to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, who would have lived 400 to 600 years earlier. And in Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61, there's a scripture that says, when God comes to redeem Israel, to redeem his people, to redeem his nation, the blind will receive sight, the lame will walk, uh, those who are deaf will hear, the mute will speak, and the poor will receive good news. You see, the second principle Jesus gives us is he is kingdom life in your darkness. He is kingdom life in your darkness. He closes the verse by saying, happy is the one, blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of of me. What's Jesus saying? You see, Jesus has this wild tendency. He never shows up like we expect. He never quite does things the way you and I would do things. He doesn't answer our prayers the way we think our prayers often ought to be answered. But that does not mean he is not kingdom life in our darkness. That does not mean he is not still doing miracles in our midst. He reminds us, don't let what I do and how I do it cause you to stumble in such a way to fall. 
trust in me. And a lot of us, we stumble over Jesus. We either ignore him, we think, you know, we don't care about him, we're busy with our fun, with our work, with our life, with our family. But yet Jesus keeps knocking, his life keeps working, his light keeps shining. And then he shares that word with us. Why will you stumble over me? Now, I think Jesus was giving John the Baptist the word he needed to hear. I know it's often, it's a word I need to hear as well when I am in darkness and depression and despair. A word of hope for the hopeless. And I'm also reassured that if John the Baptist can go through darkness like this, well, then it's not quite so bad when we go through it too. Because notice how Jesus talks about John the Baptist. Who'd you go out to see? A, a reed blowing in the wind? No. Who'd go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothes like they're uh, born in a castle? No. Who'd you go out to see? You went out to see a prophet. Yes, I tell you, John is more than a prophet. He is the greatest voice of the age that speaks to us of what God is up to. He is the one that is sent before and ahead of Jesus to prepare his way. And so Jesus reminds us that even a John the Baptist who whose heart and mind is in darkness in that dank cell, that even there, John has been faithful. Even there, John has done what he's been called to do. And if he can do it in his life, we can do it in ours. The last word he tells us is this. He says, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has risen greater than John the Baptist. Yet... Whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What is Jesus doing here? He's taking the story of his cousin and his friend, and he is using it as an invitation for all of us in this Christmas season. He says, listen, among those that have been born, none's been greater than John. But if you will be a person who will seek and search and grasp for the kingdom, you can be greater than him. He turns the story of John the Baptist into an invitation for us that we can be a part of God's reign and God's rule and God's kingship in our lives through his son Jesus. We can be a part of what God is doing today the healing, the freeing, the joy, the, the resurrection, grace, and glory. We can be a part of all these things today. He has brought us hope. But if John can make it, there's no need, there's no reason that you can't do. All you have to do is be willing to come to Jesus too. And you can find that if you're the least in the kingdom of heaven, that you will be as great as the greatest prophet to live. And that's what Bono has lived in his life too. In his darkness, he could have 
turned to rebellion. He could have turned to the world. He could have turned to all the partying and the the wealth and popularity that comes with being a, a rock star. But instead, he chose Jesus and the kingdom first. And that's an invitation we all can say yes to. This is what he shares. He says, uh, he learned about Jesus from a fellow named Derek Rowan. And Derek Rowan's nickname was Gudgy. And Gudgy loved to give everybody else nicknames. So guess how Bono got his nickname? It was from Gudgy. Guess how The Edge, David Evans, got his nickname? It was from Gudgy. But more than anything else, Gudgy pointed Bono and The Edge and others to Jesus. Bono writes, Gudgy introduced me to the idea that God might be interested in the details of our lives, a concept that was going to get me through my boyhood and my manhood. So at the churches and prayer gatherings that they attended as teenagers, Bono found a direction and a name to attach what he called an innate but incolate and formless sense of God's divine presence. It struck him to the core he says it still does, and he writes this in his new uh, autobiography. The Bible held me wrapped. The words stepped off the page and followed me home. I found more than poetry in the Gothic King James script. I'd always be first up when there was an altar call. The come to Jesus moment, I still am. If I was in a cafe right now and someone said, stand up! If you're getting ready to give your life to Jesus, I'd be the first to my feet. I took Jesus with me everywhere, and I still do. You see, Bono chose the kingdom. May we do too. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for us today, especially anyone here who... Jesus doesn't know you or doesn't know you well. Lord, I pray that your kingdom light that sets people free, that brings healing and hope, pray your kingdom light will shine into our hearts today. Bring us out of darkness. Bring us into hope and to realize that you invite us to be a part of what you're doing today in the kingdom. And that's a great journey to follow. So, Lord Jesus, help us follow you starting this Christmas anew. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.